Hello, and welcome to this episode of Hit Pause with SAPDC. Thank you for tuning in. On October 6, 2021, I had the pleasure of spending some time with Horizon School Division Associate Superintendent Amber Dara about a week prior to Amber retiring. Amber shared thoughts about mentors and mentoring, leadership, relationships, and the work of ensuring all students and all adults in education are supported in their learning. I hope educators, from those in their first year to those looking at what's next in the last few years of their career, will will find some great food for thought on what they might do each day to thrive in this great profession of ours. Thank you, Amber, for sharing these thoughts, and thank you for tuning in. Here we go. So, Amber, when in your life path did you decide uh, education, being a teacher, was what you wanted to do? I kind of had a couple takes on it. As a high school kid, I, my jobs, my part-time jobs were all working with kids. But I intended to be a speech pathologist. So I wanted to have a, you know, I wanted to be practical, have something I could fall back on. So I got a B.Ed. So that, because I intended to do the master's in speech. Um, I graduated at a time when Ralph Klein was giving everybody, had a couple, within a couple years was giving everybody pink slips. So I'd been working in the hospitality industry um, worked for CP Hotels, now Fairmont, became a wine sales rep, <laughs> you know, was, was loving my life, started my family, um, then had the chance to move up to Yellowknife where the sublist consisted of, of parents. So being a certified teacher made me, you know, opened up some opportunities. I got into the classroom, loved it, and never looked back once once I was in. So with that B.Ed. in hand as a backup, normally yeah, <laughs> <I know. laughs> a backup to speech pathologist, uh, it was a, an opportunity to go to Yellowknife, of all places where yep. there's long, long days in the summer in Yellowknife. Well, and growing up, I, my dad was an educator mm-hmm. and was the kind of person that when he achieved his goals within his role, would start to look for another opportunity. So we moved around. I, I say I'm from Alberta because I lived in so much of it. In the north, um, it, it was not you know, picking up and, and moving for an opportunity was, was second nature. So living in Yellowknife was, it's such a vibrant, welcoming community. It was the friendliest place I ever lived because everybody's from somewhere else, mm-hmm. so they know what it's like for you. Awesome. Your, your dad was a lifetime educator. That must have influenced you in many ways as well. Um, first, what was his thought when you said, I think I might want to be a teacher? And then in addition to your dad, maybe talk a little bit about how your dad was a mentor to you. Who else m- inspired you or led you to think this might be a good path? Obviously, I grew up seeing my dad as a leader in education. Um, he'd been a principal, associate superintendent, superintendent. And so I knew, you know, the nature of the work. Um, our community were other teachers. 
especially living in small towns, our community that was community was were, were the people that we were with during the day, the, during the work week. Um, so that that was a real factor for me. I also saw I didn't actually plan to follow in his footsteps until I found that I was. Mm-hmm. I was really I didn't have an idea. I was eager to do so many different things. I really, and I, st- I still don't, like in this moment, have a plan. <laughs> I think that's the testament. I always say that, you know, the testament to being open-minded is, is, is the opportunities that I fell into. So I, 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 was, I didn't purposely set out to, to follow in his footsteps, but it just was so natural and then ha- having learned so much from him, I think that equipped me to, to mm-hmm. respond well when, when I, I faced challenges. And I had some great, memorable teachers along the way. Um, my high school English teacher, David Boyer, gave student choice, which is one of the few times I really, really experienced that. Um, Del Litke, later uh, a system leader, was my was a, a teacher when I I was in junior high. So, you know, following it was more circling back and reconnecting with people like that in my adult life mm-hmm. that kind of anchored me. Yeah, I think that might be somewhat common for folks. You know, some some of our teachers were pretty surprised we became teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might not have yeah. been the case so much for you. I think some of mine are still spinning in the grave. Wait, what? <laughs> But yeah. uh, so there's that. When you were teaching full time, what were your special specialties or your areas of prime interest? I I started out at the U of A as an English major, French minor, mm-hmm. until I did Chaucer, and then thought this is not how I want to spend years of my life. I don't think. And so I flipped into U of A has the, the elementary generalist program, which is what served me so well because no who of us ever teaches the exact same thing all you know as we were educated to teach um so it it served me so well in my career and my first full-time teaching position was at a middle school in Yellowknife I had some some medical leaves but I taught grade six um on a grade six team in a grade six to eight middle school in Yellowknife, William McDonald. Hmm. Okay, so you taught for how many years before you entered into administration? In about 2005, uh, you went into administration. So eight. Eight years. Yeah. Okay. Why the move? And uh, how has... What did you miss when you went into administration and, and what surprised you about it? Um, when I was hired in Yellowknife, my principal, Lily Oldham, was a, just, I never understood till afterwards what an effective leader she was. Um, she, as a 6 eight middle school, she really had us focused on middle school philosophy, what was developmentally appropriate. Like in the 90s, mm-hmm. we were talking what's developmentally appropriate for our 12 to 14-year-olds. And, and so that really shaped me. And in my first year, she began to nurture my leadership. As a beginning teacher, 
I look back now, and I guess it was Yellowknife where there's lots of <laughs> turnover. But I sat on the, the school division professional learning committee as the representative from my school. You know, she put me in that position. And so I became an active, very active staff member over those years. When I came to Lethbridge Public, I, I first taught at Allen Watson um, as an alternative school including the Knowledge and Employability Program. And again, very active and setting direction, committee work and all of that. And I guess I kind of got to the point where, again, I didn't plan it, but I thought we're working collaboratively as a team to set direction and lay the foundations. And then hmm, the principal actually decides if anything happens or not with the work we've done. Mm -hmm. And so I felt (laughs) in order to see some change, maybe I could... step into that leadership role good to be the decider is yeah, well there's benefits former president used to say yeah yeah well, and I didn't I didn't I never missed a thing because I aimed to make a difference and I felt I still did as a school leader and my the teachers were my staff instead of or the teachers were my class almost if you yep. know what I mean yeah they were my people rather than the kids in my class right uh, they're the people you're working to take from where they are and support them to go where the the best version of them exactly yeah uh, in the same manner that you approached your class exactly yeah did you enjoy those moments when you slipped into a classroom and and kind of escaped the office a bit or? always I well I love teaching and so, absolutely that. That's, and it, when, you, when you have a passion for something, it's hard to tamp it down and not share it. So mm-hmm. being able to observe the great teachers I had the privilege to work with um, was always a gift. And to be with their kids in the classroom, of, of course. See the light in the eyes of the students mm-hmm. and the light in the eyes of the staff. Mm-hmm. Just It's energizing. And whether it's, you know, as a, a high school principal and walking into the foyer and seeing who you encounter who should be in class, but maybe capturing the opportunity to have a chat or walking into the library when the kindergartens are looking for books and getting hugs around your knees. Yeah, both of those are precious Absolutely. memories. And, and sometimes memories lost. I, uh, your, your, or your example of being a high school principal and finding some student in the hall how often do we just kind of go hey why aren't you in class get to class instead of hey what's happening yeah what's up because the what's up might lead to a much more significant teaching moment in fact most likely will lead to uh yeah yeah those are the moments yeah no two ways about it uh so your first admin position was at Senator Buchanan. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and then the transition to and the invitation to open a, a new school with an entirely different focus. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about the challenges and joys of those two positions? Well, Senator Buchanan um, was K-5, to preschool to 5. It was the division's first preschool program and, and so there was challenges there. Um, there were lots of, of student needs. Um, 
lots of parents, like in every school, who went to school themselves, so they think they know how schools work and what schools do and what teachers should do. Um, and I, what I loved about Buchanan was just working to build the community to make it an inclusive place. It was at a time where Alberta Ed was setting the direction. The, the early work of inclusion was beginning, and and I, I felt our team there at Buchanan really, I mean, it was just a really synergistic team. Um, we were so much on the same page, and we we made it, a, I, I believe we made it a very welcoming place for all students. Um, we dealt with, you know, everything from transgender kindergarten child to you know this would have been in the two 2000s yes yeah yeah and the and the dilemma of when the child wanted to wear to dress up um as a girl for halloween mm-hmm. and thereafter keep wearing that dress mm. and and the conversations we had as a community and Still moving, a, profound, um, important conversations with really good people who cared about their community and, and reconciling how to make it a welcoming space for all. I, I loved those, you know, the parent who has some unruly, unruly children <laughs> <laughs> and fierce opinions um, who becomes a friend to the school. Yes. It is like those are the achievements that that I look back on. Um, the rewards, of course, too. And then Victoria Park, had, had, I'd been a high school teacher, and so I, I and actually was vice principal at Dr. Proby School and AC coordinator within Lethbridge Public at, at that, back in the, the era of AC school improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so getting back to high school had been a goal. I was first hired to be the principal of Alan Watson. And then weeks later was appointed the principal of Lethbridge Outreach High School. So I'd be the principal of those two. And tasked with bringing those two schools together as one staff, as one reinvented program that would meet the needs of all the students um, who, who had been served by these two different these two diver- different communities different yeah and bring them under one roof yes okay you know everybody loved that it was really easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i'm positive of that but uh, the con- this is where my grandson would say is is that sarcasm <laughs> <laughs> but it was also so rewarding we we uh it was at the time that chinook high school was being built and mm-hmm. So that took everybody's attention and energy. We, our staff as a team, had the chance to literally, no, no, no one interfered with our, our visioning process. No one even asked us really what we were doing. <laughs> Flew under the radar. A we just figured it all out. We looked at the menu of all of, of our students and all the needs they had. And then we talked about, okay, so within, within the guide to education, within board policy within these guidelines we have to operate what can we do 
what are the, the options that we can create with the staff we have, with the resources we have. And it was, it was amazing. Like, we literally made it up because there were no, we visited, um, you know, some, a couple schools in there's Calgary Alternative High School, Jack James. Mm-hmm. Um, we visited some, some different places, but no one was really doing what we aimed to do. Um, and ultimately, Lethbridge Alternative Schools and Programs includes the Women's Shelter, Child and Adolescent Mental Health Program at the hospital, um, residential programs for addictions treatment and children's services, Sifton. Sifton. Yeah, so, yeah. so a lots of lots of needs but so much opportunity and so many great relationships and didn't it it feels like it should highlight for for you and for us listening and reflecting this is entirely the work of um you know the exceptionally average or the or serving the needs of students who so often fall through tiny and large cracks in yep. the system and, you know like I, I would ask my staff at times you know who's the champion for student X and you were given an assignment to try to meet the needs of a large and very very diverse population almost entirely made up of student X's because mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. knows these kids uh, or, or you know there's there's kids for which it's might not be fair to say easier, but more comfortable to yeah. do school. And it was it had to be so flexible mm-hmm. that we 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 it was difficult for us to to draw boundaries. We, we had to, and again, that's think another thing I think we did well. We drew the boundaries for ourselves, for our own wellness, and our scope, our sphere of influence. Um, because we had such great community partners who would pick up where the educator role ended. Um, but I think a sign of success was not only did we provide a welcoming environment where students were successful for those who had been falling through the cracks, but more than that, for the ones who were teetering on a mm. crack somewhere else, for them, for those who found a place to flourish when they didn't even know that things could be better was a real, that, that's a celebration. Yeah. They didn't even see the possibility. They, they had no idea they could, and this opened the opportunity for them to see a different horizon. Right, yeah. Yeah. Which, and so uh, a mentor there was Rod Duick, hmm. who always talked about, you know, success by a different definition. Success for each student was unique. There wasn't a definition we applied to all. And that became, you know, my path, my, my choice. Why'd you even show up today? Um, my path and, and my success for each. And an entirely different way to assess um, both the student and the program uh, is not done on some Fraser Institute report uh, diploma scores or things of that nature. Absolutely. I, I, I petitioned that we not post our accountability pillar results online because they were meaningless. You know, our, our achievements were 
um, parents who stayed in school, you know, young moms and dads who mm -hmm. stayed in school. Our achievements were um, students, youth who were, you know, living at the shelter and had pretty regular attendance at school each day or course completions. Mm -hmm. High school graduations were sometimes a lofty goal, but landing a, a, and keeping a job was, was a, a success for, for a number of our kids. Well, and try as we might, they're going to grow up. Uh, I mean, we might just want everyone to just stay because, you know, that youngest granddaughter, that I, you know, that's pretty cuddly and I, and I like that. But she's going to become a teenager and she's going to and she's going to and, she, they, and they are all going to do that if we can keep them all safe and alive. So we should. Uh, it sounds like this is very much the work of s s impacting trajectory to become successful adults yeah and really at the core that might be more important than whether i get pythagorean's theorem actually i think it's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not well, to reveal a bias there but just yeah and and, and some students uh, uh, victoria park had a, a native name back when i was principal hmm. um we we had a, a high native population and, and understood we needed to have the kids see themselves in their community right from the moment they walked in the door with some, just an environment that, that represented all the cultures under the roof. Um, that they could all see themselves. Exactly. As members of that community. So from there you transition into system leadership. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I think another, it's another case of seeing the opportunity and, and seeing where removing obstacles, providing leadership, um, having high expectations could, could move not only students, classrooms, but now maybe what if that could impact entire schools? And... Um, working so in, in such a community-based school leadership role uh, exposed me to all kinds of different leadership. Um, so I, I just saw the opportunity to, to contribute in different ways, and, and, I, and I believe that could be at the system level. So if we if we go back now with what you shared earlier from your time up in Yellowknife, you had an, an administrator who nurtured. You've been nurtured and given opportunities along, and now you're going to go like Yellowknife School Division. You'd lived in some other school divisions growing up because of your dad's moving from position to position. Yellowknife, Lethbridge, Palliser, Horizon for your career span. Mm -hmm. Um, what have you taken away from each of those divisions? What do you think you gave in, in each of those? What, what have been the deposits in some of the withdrawals or challenges? I think 
just as when you have a chance to visit from school to school, you see how each school has its own character. And sometimes the place where we are, we believe, is the thriving, most effective environment. And, you know, those people, you know, that other place down the street, it's just not quite up to our standard. We're number one. (laughs) (laughs) That can happen with with a closed um, perspective. But when you have the chance to visit many schools, you see that all schools have strengths. They may be different from one another. And the same is true of school divisions. Mm-hmm. So they, they vary, but they are a manifestation of their communities. They, rep- you know, it's a, uh, they represent the conglomeration, especially Lethbridge Public, it, an urban center is, is one thing. But when you span miles <laughs> And miles different and towns and, and even cities, yeah. you the the fabric, the the patchwork of that school division is is unique in every case, and I, that's fascinating. And there are moments as you change from place to place, like you know, sometimes you're hit with, oh, we do it that way here. <laughs> why? <laughs> and why? <laughs> and and sometimes the why is an is an enlightening Mm -hmm. and other times it's just plain puzzling (laughs) but uh the the it's it's more growth it's it's just one more way to grow is to see a different context another way of doing things and i think that is part of the it it had i i hope it's been an asset to have multiple perspectives and be able to say well i i've seen it done a different way how might it look if we did it this way? Yeah. The uh, five essential questions of life, a, a book yeah. I'm very fond of. Couldn't we just? Mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder if. Yeah. And uh, wait, what? <laughs> All of those can happen as you move from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. What, what challenges in terms of, you know, you'd established yourself here in, in uh, Lethbridge Public, and then you... Moved to Palliser. Granted, the office is in town. Yeah. Uh, and then you move to a m- largely rural division in Horizon. Um, you have cash, like you, C A C H E. You you have uh, credibility. Uh, how did that transfer? What kind of pieces did you did you what what kind of challenges and what kind of thrills did you have in those moves moving into a system leadership role in Palliser actually I'll stop moving into a system leadership role versus a school leadership mm-hmm, role mm-hmm. one thing I always try and, and talk about when I work at mentoring other new system leaders is how you have to move different levers at the system level than you did at the school level at school, I knew the teachers I would need to walk down the hall and have a visit with in the doorway, and it was very easy to do so. At the system level, especially when you're new to the system, you don't know who who those brokers might be. And at the same time, y- you can't do everything by in, through individuals. You have to trust and empower the skill of the the staff as a whole and and make things make things possible through 
effective communication, clear direction, those types of things. So that that was a challenge to talk to learn both lessons at the same time, new context, mm-hmm. new skill set. Being new in a school division, I, I had a unique experience where probably a lot of people questioned, was I was I new to the team because I was like the team or was I new to the, to the team and might I perhaps be someone different? Mm. And I, I really um, worked, I, I ethically, I, I've, I've tried to maintain integrity and value relationships first and, and that's, that's the impact I, I a- was aiming to have in my Palliser role when, when they, they, they hired me, I don't think they even, they didn't even know what my assignment was till sometime after I started. And it turned out to be, I was responsible for tech, all technology services for the school division, the counseling services, and home education, something like that. <laughs> it was, it was so, <laughs> there was no it's rhyme or reason. <laughs> but again, incredible opportunities, great teams to work with, mm-hmm. lots of learning. And so it, it, it wasn't the best fit for me because of some tumultuous times that had nothing to do with me. Um, I took the opportunity when I saw it to move to Horizon, learned a new context, brought some lessons learned with me, and I hope I've made a difference there. I think it's a, it's a very nice hope and uh, a hope well achieved. Uh, there's so much in there. That, that piece for any of us coming into a new environment, a new teacher coming into a staff, uh, a new administrator, a teacher on staff moving to administration in the same school, mm-hmm. moving to administration in a new school. Don't panic. Understand that the rules change a little bit every time you change position. Yes. The expect, you know, when you were a teacher, you thought you knew what a vice principal did. The first day you were a vice principal, you were like, wait, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and then every step along the way, that's what it is. And, and that's okay. I think it's really important to, to give some time for, for you to share some thoughts around something I think is very dear to you and something I've definitely admired, and that's um, your role in being an outstanding leader and a woman and your role in supporting women in leadership and I wonder if you could share wh- your thoughts on it, because uh, I'm just an observer of, <sighs> of it. And I know it's a weighty topic, but I think it's one that is critical uh, for conversation. I agree. And I'm glad. Thank you for even <laughs> asking. One of the things I'm most hopeful about now is that the conversation has been broken open. Mm-hmm. I... I'm a firstborn. I'm perhaps an overachiever. I never understood why in my elementary school, all the teachers were women, and we had to get a guy from somewhere to come in and be the principal. <laughs> I, did, I honestly didn't understand. Well, first of all, where did he come from? Because he... Cause 
men didn't teach elementary. So we need to break down all those barriers and, and stop ourselves when we become aware of our bias. And I think that's what, in the last couple years, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, inclusion outside of education is a, a huge and critical topic. And I, just becoming aware of our biases is so powerful. Um, did men teach secondary where the curriculum was more difficult because they were smarter? Was it easier for women to be elementary teachers? I don't think so. Are they more nurturing and so they're elementary teachers? Yes. These, these are some of the assumptions, right? Yes. So they're, and I mean, I'm being flippant, but there are so many assumptions. But, but, but it also was, I, as a student, hmm. I, I was aware and had these questions. For myself, I never, although I was aware of it, I never applied it to myself. And so I never, I never stopped and thought, well, I can't do that because I'm a girl or I can't do that now because I'm a woman. So I was pretty fierce about that. I also, I think I was about, I was a bit of a tomboy. All my childhood friends were boys, mm. you know, I. You're athletic. <laughs> well, I have no coordination, but I like to play outside. <laughs> <laughs> Neither so, do I. <laughs> so, so that kind of set my direction. But then I always felt that it was something that couldn't really be discussed. My, when I had Lily as a principal in my first teaching job in middle school, um, she died of cancer. Well, she, she actually had cancer in my, in my second year of teaching there. And, and then I, la I, was, I only taught in the school for two years. Um, I came to Lethbridge to another teaching position. The, within a day or two of, of getting an administrative position and, and moving to my new office, I, I was unpacking a box when I learned that she had died. Mm. And I just thought, it, I mean, not only the, the loss of a powerful leader and, and impactful woman, but I literally felt like she just passed the torch on to me. And so that, that w was a, a, a very personal driver. But then I continued to see strong women. Or, or, and I continued to search for strong women. And for a long time, even to, to be a high, a, a, a high school principal as a woman was a rarity. Mm -hmm. um, there, Particularly there had, had maybe been some. outside of the major urban centers. Yeah, yeah. And and then my first system leadership role, there were two other, I w had a director position, there were two other directors, all senior leadership were all men, and no one ever, ever thought twice about that. Well, or spoke of it. Maybe some thought twice, I did. Mm -hmm. But no one ever spoke of it. 
um, when when a woman moved into a superintendent role and other women were associate superintendents, there were all kinds of comments because it was so different. And they weren't kind comments. Really? There, there were characterizations of the, a new you know, executive team that w- was made up of women. And that really pushed me to consider what... What are those biases that we are not aware of? What are those attitudes that we need to surface? And what questions are there to ask? Because why should that be a, a neg- why why can't it be neutral? Mm-hmm. When a woman leads, you know she's she's setting she's doing it for other women. When men lead, they're simply leading. So I hope that we get past that, and and move to that equity, which, like I said to begin is just as important for that nurturing man who wants to teach kindergarten. Right. Because that comes with its own judgment and, and pigeonholing. Um, but this is a very long <laughs> answer <laughs> to say that uh, in my, so all together, including in Lethbridge, you know, 10 or 11 years in a system role, I always hoped to see this conversation get to get to the table, and now it finally is. So when I was on the cast board of directors two years ago, we, we br- brought forward, and it was, there was lots of work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it literally it, was about bringing, uh, ensuring a level of readiness. So when we brought a request forward to establish a Women in Leadership Committee, that we could move it ahead. It, it wasn't a threat. Exactly. And it wasn't an anti-man mm. in leadership committee. There, <laughs> you know? there is a scarcity mentality out there, right? Yes. Like, uh, that, that influences it. Like when, when you talk about um, championing one, then there are some who say at the expense of. Right. And not recognizing that there already wasn't at the expense of and the at the expense of wasn't necessarily at the expense of women leaders or male leaders it's at the expense of experiences of the students because it should be best right that might be naive but i don't think it is Uh, that's the piece you're losing just by bias a percentage of eligible candidates. Right. And in, I mean, the saying is, if you can see it, you can be it. Mm. And I, as a, a Southerner, which is what you call somebody from Alberta who lives in the Northwest Territories. <laughs> if you, if Here you, I thought you were talking about no. uh, south of Calgary. No, Edmonton <laughs> is down south. It's all, everything's relative. Grand Prairie's down south from Yellow. Yes. <laughs> but at government forms, it would fill, you would you know, Dene, Inuit, dog rib, all, you would fill out a form, you'd have to specify your demographics. The very last box to tick was non-native. Hmm. What, the premier was indigenous. You know, professionals in the city of Yellowknife coming from First Nations or Inuit, Métis backgrounds. And so the role models were there and, and that made a difference. The, 
this, so again, back to diversity, equity, inclusion. It, it's opportunities for all. It's equal pay for equal work, which you know, we, we have collective agreements within education, but that's not the case for, for all sectors. Oh, for sure. So I'm very grateful uh, to have been part of surfacing this conversation for system leaders in Alberta. Um, our committee is the only one in Canada. Wow. I know. I reached out. I, you know, surely Ontario's doing something. I, I reached out to every executive director and emailed them and said, you know, we're doing this. I'm just wondering, I can't find anything on your website. Without exception, mm-hmm. no one yeah. had started. So not to rush through this, or, which I, I don't think we have, but in, in so many areas in the world now, we talk about Black Lives Matter, we talk about Indigenous voice and presence, seeing yourselves in the literature. And we, we have this phrase that I think is appropriate, allies. Uh, you know, are you an ally to the, to the, cause, uh, to the causes that are out there? Mm-hmm. How does one, and here's the male voice in the room, how does one function as an ally uh, in this particular issue? One practical answer I have to that is to not write the end of others' stories. Mm. For example, a woman has recently had a child, been on maternity leave, is an aspiring leader as a teacher, and a principalship comes open. And one might say, well, it's too bad she just had a baby because this would be a great job for her. Really? Putting a, yeah, I, I had six babies too. Um, and, I, and everyone says, no, you didn't have them. I say, hey, I even delivered one, <laughs> for crying out loud. But, but they impacted my, my life. Uh, that's, that's, I hope that that falls away pretty quickly. Yes, and it, although you're right... For a woman who is responsible for so much more at home, traditionally, when I went back to work after having my first child, I I couldn't fathom how I could fit a job back into my life. And arriving at work, there is pressure to pretend pretend that you didn't have those responsibilities. Mm. (laughs) To pretend, because that's all you can do. Right. And, 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 and why, why is that? Why aren't we celebrating? Um, leadership is not a one-dimensional thing. There are aspects of what makes uh, a woman inherently a woman and a man inherently a man when it comes to leadership style, personality, tendencies, you know, how testosterone dr- drives task completion. There are so many aspects to that. Why are we not looking at it with you know through a lens of complexity and celebration because here are all the multiple strengths that any of us needs to bring to our job none of us has a one-dimensional job either so so the the roles of both are are important um i i also think being an ally is is about simply acknowledging and noticing because in Alberta, where we have over 75% of educators and any of us who contribute to ATRF, 
76% at one count. And at times, I look at the public school boards. Our First Nations education authorities have a much higher representation of women leaders, Hmm. which I love. Um, So today, system-wide in Alberta, we have almost 30% women in the superintendent role. If you take out... um, any cast member who doesn't who isn't part of a public or separate school board, it's closer to twenty percent, maybe twenty five. It's constantly changing. But when I first, I have a hobby where I just keep a tally of these things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it was it was for years it was eight or nine out of sixty one school boards. Yeah. And so we're we're it's we're finally noticing that. School trustees hire superintendents. And so my hope is also that at some point, as an ally, all of us have conversations with our elected trustees about their biases. School trustees also play a significant role in the interview processes in many jurisdictions for principals, especially small community principals. Right, yeah. And, And the influence is there again. So there's a long-term goal. Uh, lots of long-term goals. Thank you uh, very much. I appreciate uh, the invitation for all of us to reflect and uh, and ponder and champion all. Yes. It's a pretty easy word. It's, it's a little bit like I. we hold these truths to be self-evident that all, I know it then says men, but I always take that into Sanskrit, humus, all mankind are created equal. That word all seems to cause a lot of challenges mm-hmm. to people. It's a small word. It only involves three letters. And two of it's them are the same. <laughs> it's like the assertion that we believe all children, can, all students can learn and be mm. successful. Exactly. All right. So you're coming to the in close of this stage of life and this career. Um, What do you wish for those who have 20 or 30 years ahead of them? Uh, I I do joke with uh, whenever I'm presenting who in the rooms in their first year, and I thank them profusely Mm -hmm. for the contributions they're going to make to ATRF over the next 35 years. But but I have such high hopes for them. What do you hope for those who have the vast majority of their career in front of them? Um, my wish would be that that you always have confidence that you can continue to refine and improve your professional practice, for one thing. You know, we talk about growth mindset with our students, um, but the same is true for us. Just as intelligence isn't fixed, nor is personality. And so that's what fulfills decades of, of serving in education. My, I would also hope that, that each of us can, as I spoke to a little bit earlier, define and live within some boundaries of how we serve because with our most heart-wrenching and difficult situations, we have to rely on 
on a collaborative approach to supporting a child, a youth, a family. And an educator role can only go so far. And, and sometimes we have to say we've, we've made that referral to children's services. We've, you know, we, we've informed the parent um, and, and acknowledge that is the end of our influence. Let it, let it go to the next. And, and figuring out a way to do that, I think, is a gift because when you don't, those are the scenarios that keep us up at night. Um, I would also wish that no one set out to be a mediocre teacher. <laughs> you know, I want to be just average. I'm, I'm aiming for 50% today. Um, I also wish, just as I fundamentally believe that kids do the best that they can, I extend that to parents. Mm-hmm. Like parents truly are trying their best. It's not what we might do, perhaps, if we were in their shoes, but we can't possibly understand their reality and all the factors that have led them to be in the position they are as a parent. The same is true of our colleagues. We all set out to make a difference, to do the best job we can. And we are human, just like when you're a kid and you find out your parents you know, have a life outside of of mom or dad, or you see your teacher in the grocery store and you realize they they must have to make supper, right? <laughs> For the first time. Yeah. You eat. And and our we we ourselves and our colleagues have have complicated lives. It's a, this calling is also a challenge, and so to to give grace to others and find the things that fuel you and energize you. So you can spend your time on the things that fill you up rather than than otherwise. I thought that that one word is the word that's always in my head, uh, grace. Mm-hmm. In this, uh, you know, grace to parents, grace to the kids, uh, grace to your colleagues, patience. Yeah. Uh, and how to press pause before you react. Something I... I, I d- definitely don't succeed at mm-hmm. and didn't succeed at every day as a principal or a system leader or a vice principal or a teacher or a coach. <laughs> That's the challenge of the next 20 or 30 years. That's that it. is just it. Yeah, exa- for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Last kind of education piece maybe. Uh, when you consider the future of education, K-12 to in general, um, right now we're going through the what appear to be early but very quick stages of a new curriculum. Uh, what do you see as critical markers for a system that best serves all students and best supports all staff in the collective journey of learning and making new curriculums or new challenges work? I think the markers are the flexible pathways we lay down for student success. Like I've spoken Mm -hmm. about already, I Mm -hmm. I think that's one piece. I also believe that pedagogy is power. Mm -hmm. You know, as a teacher, I have autonomy to plan, teach, and assess in ways that will 
help my students cement those essential understandings. And I, I, I get, I have the challenge, I get to design those learning opportunities for my students. How I do that is, is in our wheelhouse as educators. So, this might sound glib, but you know, I don't think curriculum doesn't hurt students. How we teach it. How we teach it does. Yeah, and how we assess it. Yes, uh, <laughs> assessment. That's a whole other podcast, which I haven't even gone into assessment, but. And so that is our power. That is our opportunity. And it's, it's also within our control. And, and I, I believe so strongly in the capacity of our school systems. You know, I've, I've worked in four of them. Mm-hmm. And without exception, saw incredible things happening in classrooms. No excellent teachers um, I, and I, I have no doubt that will continue. And so to me, it's about finding ways to, to see the, see the opportunities, control the variables that we can, that lead to success for students. And in the process, help, help, perhaps help others see that, you know, this, this idea, this this content, or this presented in this sequence, might not be best for the kids, but trust us, we'll get them there. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. Yeah. I, I hope for that. So we're we try to lead for that in our in our current uh, roles, both right. of us. Right. Yeah. In, in terms of never lose sight of the fact, that whatever it's someone says, this content, this content, or this content, there's still many many ways to teach that many many ways to assess that right and uh i do like that you say that's the next podcast yeah you know four or five months from now we can sit down and have a <laughs> conversation just around assessment and uh, and what could or couldn't be done i know a teacher this semester in, in english 30 who is not giving marks mm-hmm. they're not, they're going conversation with the students and well they'll arrive at a mark but it's based much more formatively day in, day out through the whole 90 days of the semester. I'm really interested to see how that turns out. Um, it's a great teacher, so we'll see. Yeah. That's kind of the piece. All right. So uh, we hope to influence mm-hmm. as teachers, as administrators, the trajectory of our students, staff, schools, systems. What do you hope your influence has been as you reflect back on your outstanding career? I feel like this may be starting with a negative, but I've always said that I'm against working alone. In that, (laughs) (laughs) framed negatively, I'm against it. Can't stand it. I I, I see no point in it. As a beginning teacher, I, I... had opportunities to work with colleagues where we team taught. We literally planned one another's lessons and exchanged them. And I just, I, I hope 
one thing I've promoted is collaboration to the highest extent possible um, within a school staff, within our school division. I'm so, in Horizon, I'm so proud of the culture that we have. A couple years ago, I started to talk about, you know, being even better. Mm-hmm. Because we, we talk about continuous improvement, and that's an education catchphrase. But don't we all want to be even better next year than we were this year? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> In my next meeting, in my next podcast, (laughs) (laughs) is don't we expect? Don't we want to nurture that spirit in our students? And if so, how can we not nurture that in ourselves? And so, over the past seven years, now eight in Horizon, um, we've we've had a real focus on collaborative professional learning, just like in the good old learning and technology policy framework, Mm. policy direction one, student-centered learning, it still really holds true, the importance of of a student-centered approach. But we've taken a teacher-centered approach. I hope, I hope teachers will will feel that and have felt the rewards of being able to work together in self-directed, you know, on self-directed topics so they could get even better at that one thing that was kind of itching at them that they wanted to, where they wanted to improve. They identify their own priorities. And we went from having, you know, the same set of teachers who all work together every year um, to, to teachers putting out. So we use an online community for teachers to say, I'd like to focus on um, this topic. And they put the topic out there for the whole school division and any other teacher can say, I'm into that too. I mm-hmm. want to join you. And so they're, they're inter-school um, groups of three to seven teachers. And when I, every year when I look at that, that community and the topics that our teachers are posting, it is exemplary. Their topics are pulled Right out of the TQS, which is a, a, a lofty document, right? Yeah, it is. Aspirational. Um, it, it's, it is so impressive. And I hope that I have served in a way that, it, you know, to put the resources in place. Sometimes it's a book study, and so we, we get the books for that group. Or they, they need some help, so we find a facilitator. We call you <laughs> and your team. Like, can you help us with this or that? And I hope that teachers will feel that I've contributed to building that community so they get the most out of their their time and they get even better for their kids in their classroom. That's a beautiful place to end it. The, the work you've been doing is since you've gone into administration, and you said that, you know, in the classroom, this was my group. In administration, this is my group. In this level of administration, this and that's the piece. And... In the end, everything we do, we have it in our mission statement. In the end, we hope that for the good of students. Right. Uh, for the next guys. And that's, if if I may say, you kind of mentioned this earlier, you know, when I moved from the classroom to administration, as a leader, 
What does that change? What do you miss? And people say, don't you miss the kids? Which is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. Because I, what I miss sometimes um, is the end of the story because I consult sometimes on the difficult things and mm-hmm. I don't always hear the happy ending or any ending. <laughs> <laughs> so I miss the end of the story. But I, the rewards of leadership come from feeling that you did your best to make a difference and trusting that does impact your kids. It's, yeah. it's different, but, yeah. the, but the rewards are there and, and they're, they make it all worthwhile. That doesn't mean you don't enjoy an opportunity to jump in a classroom of course. and, and have, a, have an hour with the kids. Yes, uh, I think I can still teach. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned all the things I should have been doing. But <laughs> uh, yes, the malpractice of my teaching in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Is there anything else you'd like to share, Amber? Anything we didn't hit on as you sketched out some notes? I don't think so. Well, I warned you, my last question is, what are you reading and what are you looking forward to reading? I I have lots of travel ahead of me. Yay. So I have 134 books loaded on my e-reader mm-hmm. to take with me wherever I am. I honestly... It's I don't even know the titles. Is, it's I time for some fiction. <laughs> I, it, it's all fiction. I intend to just read one thing after the other and live in a world of fiction. <laughs> Are there a few biographies sprinkled in? Uh, I still haven't read the Michelle Obama. Oh, okay. Um, My wife enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's one. Um but otherwise, continue to learn. Yes. Uh, you know, there's this phrase, lifelong learner. Um, you know, I, I want to be a lifelong learner. I, I've suggested to friends, and I certainly consider you a friend, to consider not using that phrase and embrace the idea of being an eternal learner. It, it came to me a little bit when my dad passed. And uh, I thought my dad liked to learn things. He he was very all in. Whatever it was, he, he was all in until mm-hmm. he had exhausted that. And then sometimes he just put it away. And, uh, and other times, then, but he'd move to the next all in. And he was, a, he w- I think I came to be a learner from him who only did high school. Uh, you know, and, uh, but I'm cognizant of the idea that the moment he passed, he learned a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. right? and uh, con- continues to learn. I like to embrace the idea he continues to learn. Yeah. So I say, you know, I, uh, I like to see myself as an eternal learner. I, I got to be better tomorrow than I was today in about a million things, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, if you take that s- uh, approach, then you're comfortable that you'll get there because it's never over. I, I agree. And that is my favorite quote Michelangelo, I am still learning. Mm. It's yeah. as simple as that. There you go. I'm going to learn about art and Are you going to take up drawing? Culture. 
uh, I'm drawing me painting. I'm not a realist, <laughs> so I'm still working. Pottery, play, yes. Yeah, so okay. many things. Well, thank you so much for this time. Um, I, I think it thank might you. have unsettled you when I said, hey, would you do this? <laughs> I appreciate it. I think um, there's lots in this for, for all of us to reflect on. And, uh, you know, I didn't have the joy of working with you in a system, but I certainly had a joy of working with you inside this larger region since I arrived. And uh, I can only thank you for me, but it's all caps. Thank you very thank much you. for all you've done in the region and for myself and uh, personally. And wish you and Clark all the best in your coming journeys and adventures. Thank you. Take care. We can't wait. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.